Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Dove. You use all the right skincare products for your face, but your body has been missing out. With new Dove Serum Body Wash, you can give your body the vitamin C glow it's been wanting, the hydration boost it's been craving, and the active skincare ingredients it deserves. It's time for your body care era. New Dove Serum Body Wash. Get Dove or get FOMO. Kevin Franks did not drown. Kevin Franks had already stopped breathing by the time you drove off the road. Kevin was definitely breathing when we went off the road. How do you know? He was making me come. What? You were having sex at 100 miles an hour? 110. I must have hit a pothole. Hello and welcome to Unequal Sequel. My name is Dave and I'm one of the two hosts of this enthralling podcast. And I'm Rich and I'm the other host of this enthralling podcast. Think of me as Lightning McQueen to Dave's mater. I'm faster than fast and he's a rusty old truck. (laughs) I wonder where you're going to go that one. It was good in the end. (laughs) The premise of Unequal Sequel is very simple. We ask our guests their best ever sequel, their worst ever sequel and finally their dream sequel. And of course we quite often drift off and talk about other things. Sometimes movies, sometimes life in general. We also do have to mention, we do love spoilers, don't we, Rich? Because we talk about movies a lot. Uh, They're new and old, mainly old. Uh, So if you don't want to know about a movie we're talking about, just press pause, skip forward 10 minutes, whatever it is. Go and do your cosplay costume. Come back and it will all be okay. Because on today's episode, we are joined by Anna Smith. Anna is a brilliant film critic and broadcaster. She's also the the host of the Girls on Film podcast. It's all about female filmmakers and female film critics. Um, she does some brilliant work on some kind of feminist film. And also, you might recognise Anna from when she's been regularly filling in for Mark Kermode on the Film Review Show. We're very excited to sit down with Anna and chat all things sequels with her. These are Anna Smith's Unequal Sequels. Enjoy. Can you remember the first sequel you got excited about? Well, I remember watching Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and absolutely loving that. And then going back to Raiders because I was at the age where I hadn't already seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, the first one. So um, I guess that's when I started to engage in the idea of sequels beyond your obvious sort of Disney movies that you watch when you're a kid, you know. Mm. Um, so Temple of Doom, yeah, that was that was going around on VHS in my youth. And um, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed that. Although, of course, as a feminist podcaster, I now look back on it in a slightly different light. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was that was probably the, the first one that I really got into. Temple of Doom. And how old were you when you saw that? Um, I need to do the maths, but I'm going to say like 10 or something, probably. Yeah, pretty, pretty young. And that, that's the second one, isn't it? So yeah. had you had you yeah. seen the first one? 
No, I hadn't. No, so yeah. I'd heard about it. So I, I saw this one. And then, so I did things a little bit back to front because I wasn't really old enough to have seen Raiders. And I was only probably just old enough to see Temple of Doom. Because there's some a few sort of icky scenes in it, aren't there? Mm. But yeah, I remember my mother used to be a Sunday school teacher and she actually showed part of the video as part of her lesson one day in Sunday school. I cannot remember the life of me, what relevance it had to Christianity, but I thought it was pretty cool that she did that. And I, I was yeah. like, yeah, my mum's quite a cool Sunday school teacher, you know? I can understand if she showed Raiders, because obviously that's got the Ark of the Covenant, isn't it? But yeah, Temple I can't Doom. remember what it was. Like, I'm sure she found hmm. a very good you know debating point and of course you know if you want to get kids interested show them a bit of a movie right oh yeah absolutely yeah yeah did you have a crush on harrison ford as well at that point like everyone else did i don't know i mean i did we we did (laughs) yeah i know can i be the only person in the world didn't they hadn't have a crush on him i don't remember having one i mean he was like a a very grown man to me (laughs) i think Mm. you know i was kind of more fancying like teenage boys in films at that stage which we can get on to (laughs) later <laughs> brilliant so was this it was a cinema job was it no it's vhs i mean to, to be honest i think it was interesting because i just listened to your episode with boyd hilton and he went to the cinema loads when he was a kid but i'm like the opposite i'm the rebel who was never to the taken to the cinema hardly ever and then made it her life's obsession because <laughs> it was the forbidden fruit so um uh... yeah i mean it, it was i mean it, it's not the we were, we were discouraged from going with our friends unless our parents really knew that it was going to be suitable yeah. for our age group, which I know is a lot of what, what a lot of parents do. Um, but also we didn't often go as a family. I would probably go and see, when I reached a certain age, I'd go and see the Bond movie with my dad or I'd mm. see the big blockbuster with my friends. But, you know, I didn't have a very great sort of back- background in film. And so I spent a lot of time catching up in my teens and 20s and 30s and 40s. Is that when you had um, your cinematic awakening, would you say? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's jumping ahead a little bit, but I think my cinematic awakening was watching Back to the Future. Okay. So I was I was sat um, on Christmas Day, and I was again watching it on the small screen, um, but I was just blown away watching this film on TV that just transported me to another place, another time, um, that was exciting, that... It was just the magic of cinema was beamed into my room that day. And I, I just then started going more with my friends to the cinema. And so I think small screen sort of turned me onto the big screen. Oh, amazing. amazing. I love that. I think I was quite similar. I don't think I properly, proper, I kind of went with my, my gran used to really like cinema. And so I went a few times with my gran and saw like the third man and uh, Casablanca and all these kind of re-releases of older movies and I don't think it was until I was in my teenage years and it used to be the cinema used to be a really good place to go and bunk off school and smoke essentially <laughs> oh god smoking I remember smoking yeah, in cinemas smoking, wow. yeah used to sit in the back of the cinema bunk off school for the afternoon sit in the back of the cinema and smoke and just watch every every movie possible um, but yeah, I think that was my sort of cinema, cinematic awakening. Yeah, I think, you know, when I was a teenager, it then became the thing to do, you know, if you went on a date or with your mates, you know, and, you know, I grew up in Exeter and the, at that stage actually didn't feel like there was loads to do other than go to the shops or go to the cinema mm, during yeah. the day if you were, you know, if you were too young to go out clubbing or whatever. So, yeah, quite a lot, quite a lot of things were seen, some of them good, some of them terrible. Yeah. Was there a cinema near you? Is that why you didn't go? You just, it wasn't 
part of the tradition or i moved around a lot when i was younger because my dad was in the navy so um we lived in america we lived in scotland and we lived in lots of places but my teens were spent in exeter but yeah when we were in exeter we were quite rural so i couldn't just pop out to the cinema i'd had to ask for a lift or get the bus or something but i do remember like um when i was very young in the states um my mum taking me to see 101 dalmatians on on the big screen in little one of those cinemas that you'd get in malls but like really small malls um and we went for a Roy Rogers um, meal afterwards, which is like this burger joint that they had. And that was a memorable occasion. So that was good. <laughs> I love that. Brilliant. So when you when you watched uh, Temple of Doom and it's on VHS, was mm. it a family night? Was it your pick or was it your dad's or your mum's? No, I don't think it was family. I think it might be to do my elder sister. Yeah. Because she's like three years older and that's often the way is that you end mm. up listening to the music and watching the movies that your elder sibling does. I don't, yeah. Um, so I, th- I think it was because she'd sort of turned me on to, uh, to the storylines and I'd heard about them. And I remember she also used to come home telling me about E.T. She told me the story of E.T. having seen it at the cinema and just her relating this to me got me excited about going to the cinema. You know, I was like, oh my God, that sounds incredible. So I guess Brilliant. I grew up sort of being really excited about going to the cinema from hearing about it. Yeah. Did she show you films that you shouldn't have seen before you've seen them then? She didn't, but naming no names, some of my school friends did. Okay. I remember because <laughs> their parents were much less strict than mine. Yeah. I remember going around for sleepovers, <gasps> busting them now. Um, and they'd be watching something like The Omen. Uh, you know, some really dark stuff for a kid that's been brought up quite respectably. Yeah, yeah. And mm. I was just like, oh my God, yeah, I can't sleep now. And being absolutely terrified by this stuff. Absolutely I was terrified. I was that naughty older brother as well. I was like I'm eight and ten years older than my brother and sister, and so oh, I used yeah? to like sneak my sneak my little brother into movies he was way too young to see. <laughs> Marked for life, no doubt. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> he he still talks about going to see uh, South Park bigger, longer, uncut when I sneaked him in, and I think he was about ten. Oh dear. <laughs> like, far too young. He's quite he's quite a tall fellow though, isn't he, Rich? He's got yeah, we're all quite tall with my family, so yeah. It gets that's what I said, is like put this bucket of popcorn in front of your face and no one will realise you're ten because you're like nearly <laughs> six foot tall already. See, I was always <laughs> tiny and looked really young, so I had absolutely no hope of that. I had to, you know, still carry ID till I was like twenty two. Yeah, I, I had the same problem. <laughs> yeah. I I went into Blade when I wasn't eighteen and it was an eighteen and that was a big day for me. I felt really yeah. part. I thought it'd be really hard to get in, but it wasn't. They just sold me the ticket, and I was like, "Okay, that was not the event I thought it was going to be." I had this like backstory <laughs> and like why I didn't have my ID and stuff, and then like there's a ticket. I was like, "Oh, okay." Do you know what I? It's that hear, easy. Hear, hear this? He didn't. He didn't care at all. But um, I never really had that problem because I was six foot six and hairy by the time I was like fourteen. Yeah, <laughs> so, quite jealous. Yeah, of that. just sort of walked in. So. Was it when did you see Last Crusade? Was that was that the cinema or was that another VHS? I think that was probably TV. Yeah, um, yeah. Because by that stage they were eventually coming to TV, mm. as you know that it would take it would take years sometimes. But I probably saw that on TV. But I have since seen it on the big screen. And I've I've been to a few of those events at the Royal Albert Hall with the live score, oh, amazing. Wow. Yeah. And um, when I moved to London in the nineties, we were well, it was in the early noughties, we were lucky enough to have a roof terrace in central London. Wow. And it, we weren't even supposed to go up there. 
sorry landlords um but we we, we used to screen movies on the roof terrace um because we had like a flat wall that you could screen them onto and we did uh, i think we did raiders of the lost ark then and oh, i felt like incredible. i was getting my childhood cinema experience that i i hadn't had you know with all my friends and popcorn and wine and yeah it's great i love the wine bit the wine of course that makes it a little <laughs> little bit more adult oh yeah definitely yes i don't think i'd have had wine at the age of 10 no <laughs> <laughs> Plus, cinemas didn't sell alcohol at that point. That seems to be... Oh, they did. Oh, they did. did they? No, oh, did they? No, oh, they my, my one did. My one had a bar. Oh. Mine was a converted theatre, the one in my town, and it had it still had a... Like, you'd go upstairs, and there was a bar, and then there was an upstairs kind of cinema, and yeah. then downstairs were two smaller screens. That must have been like very popular with the parents. Kind of. Taking their kids yeah. to like. My dad used to quite like going to the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> First question, uh, actually, it's the second question, <laughs> stupidly. Um, what is your best ever sequel? My best ever sequel is, of course, Back to the Future 2. Fantastic. And <laughs> Great I, I, has no one picked this one before? Someone has picked it as their worst sequel. What? Who's this yeah. person? I need to hunt them down <laughs> and have a big argument with them. Who is it? <laughs> it is Tom Davis from the Proper Mental okay. podcast, a yeah. lovely man. Very lovely um, man very spurious views on Back to the Future too. Yeah, he's very much mistaken, as I'm sure you will agree. <laughs> I, 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 Yes, but he argued it so well by the end of the conversation. I was like, you're right, this is a bad film. And I love Back to the Future too. so hopefully you're going to bring me back around to the, the Well, line. yes, let, let me try to do that. I'm, I'm sure we'll be agreeing. Back to the Future 2 is fantastic for lots of reasons. I mean, one of them is obviously it was planned at the same time as the first film so it's very organically part of the series without being one of those hastily shot after a successful movie sequels it's also um obviously flagged at the end of the first film so it feels really seamless they even did an amazing job of replacing some of the cast when they had to mm. um but more than anything i think what I admire about this sequel is the way that it weaves the plot of the first one into the second one in such a hugely enjoyable way. So as yeah. to serve and be respectful to the plot of the original film, but also embroider it um, to, to elaborate on it in some ways, I think, arguably improve on it or at least make it more exciting because you've still got the essence of everything that makes Back to the Future great. And you've got extra thrills. You've got extra action. You've got um, extra tension. There's extra peril. There's it's more sci-fi, if you like. There's <laughs> hoverboards. I know exactly. More inventions. You name it. Um, so it, it just offers so much bang for your buck. But I think that the story is very, very clever. Uh, I, you know, I love the idea. I mean, of course, the, 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 that's one of the reasons that I love time travel movies in general, um, possibly, you know, started by Back to the Future, but also probably by children's books before that. I was always into kids' books where they travel through time. But I think mm. one, of the, obviously one of the great things about that is conceit, is that there's so much you can do and continue to do mm. with this concept, which is why it works really well for series of books or TV series as well. So, you know, there, were, there was so much they could have done with Back to the Future too. Um, but I love the idea that they decided to go into, you know, to create a dystopian parallel timeline um, as well as going into a slightly less scary future so you've got you've got the joy you've got the fun of the future and the comedy of the future of, of this kind of crazy scenario he finds himself in and then the comedy of him being so, somewhat dejected to see the man he's going to become which is actually quite a lot of pathos in that I think mm. and um, yeah and, and then I think 
you you know to have the dystopian timeline injects a lot of darkness in there in there which isn't in the first movie and doesn't make it as suitable for young children um but to me as a then uh, probably teenager I was um, pretty excited to see it go in a more grown-up direction mm. and tackle yeah. um, some of the darkness in the characters like Biff, because Biff was, of course, generally, I mean, he, he is always had a dark side and, and, and a horrible, abusive side, but we saw a lot more of that in the second one. And I think to explore yeah. that and to make him a real enemy to grapple with, especially as you've got two Biffs in, you know, you've got three Biffs in this film, right? Mm. Of different timelines. And yeah, there's a parallel timeline. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you've got the grandfather, old Biff in the future, and you've got the young Biff in the 50s, and then you've got um, the parallel timeline. So you've actually got four, haven't you? Because you, then you've got the normal timeline in the 80s, and then you've got the parallel one. So yeah, yeah. There's probably at least four Biffs. Someone can probably write in and go, there's maybe five. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, a lot of biffs for your buck here. And, um, you know, I just think Lorraine also gets quite an interesting character arc in this one, even though she's very, you know, Marty's mum, even though she's obviously quite a tragic figure in this. Mm. I think it, it, there's something really poignant about the idea that she's been forced to marry this horrendous man and, and, and yeah. only stays with him to, to avoid him, you know, slinging her son in jail or similar. You know, and it's... um. Yeah, it's, it's it's quite dark and poignant, but it's also really, really fun with great action scenes at the beginning, very amusing predictions of the future, some of which have come quite true. And then, of course, yeah. we can't ignore the parallel with what's happened, what happened with Donald Trump. I was going to say, Biff is very Trump-esque, isn't he? Yeah. Like yeah. Living in his tower. Yeah. It's I very, think that was a deliberate funny. move at the time. Um, and little you know, the filmmakers know that he was going to go on to run America. Um, mm. itself you know not just hill valley and and that that's i think made re-watching it recently more poignant again right. but yeah i mean i could go on it's just it's a fantastically entertaining film and i think it does everything yeah. that a sequel should do you said at the start that yeah that it was kind of planned to go i always thought that that like christopher lloyd had come up with the just come up with the line off the top of his head is like it's your kids marty it's about your kids and then they were like okay we're gonna make it about his kids then like, well you may be right kind of off I, the cuff. I don't know if that's true i just that's just what i'd always kind of believed <laughs> I, I i remember listening to the audio commentary or whatever and it said they wish they never put that line in the end of back to the future because it pinned them into a corner that they now have to come up with a story about it's their kids. Your kids, uh, Marty. But yeah. Me, yeah, it's the best. It's the best one because it's it's taking the best bits of Back to the Future one, and then we've got future Back to the Future. You have got flying DeLorean. You have got hoverboards. I think it's I magical. Agree. And so yeah, I'm, I stand corrected. So yeah, he refers to it, and then they make the, the second two at the same time. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so yes, two yes, and yeah. three. They they film together. Back to back. But um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it works so brilliantly, don't you think? I'm glad you agreed, Dave. Have I talked you around? Oh, it was always Dave's favourite. Dave picked it as we did a we did a list of our uh, uh, sequels that are better than their originals, and Dave picked it in that as as better than the original. I'm not sure I agree. I like the original more, but I've had know. some very animated um, sort of conversations with critics in pubs about this very matter, <laughs> and um, you know, because right. I perhaps. Main, mainly being a bit controversial, I used to say exactly that, that it's better than Back to the Future. I don't, I, I'm slightly on the fence about that now because Back to the Future is, an, is a near perfect film in itself. Mm. Um, but I think that does make Back to the Future 2 the perfect sequel in the way that it pays yeah. homage to the first one. Mm. Yeah. It's, oh, absolutely. It's a great sequel. I, I 
yeah i don't agree with tom and uh <laughs> <laughs> good none of us do sorry tom don't know you but you're on well i think we're going to put your episodes on together so we can like have uh-huh. a juxtaposition <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you said earlier that Back to the Future was probably the first film you really got excited about in the cinema. And when you heard this was coming, were you like, just give it to me now? I need more Marty McFly. Oh, completely. I mean, yeah, because we haven't even said how incredible Michael J. Fox is in these films. I mean, he's just Oh, I love perfect. Michael. It's so Yeah, cool. he's, he's, he's the guy you want to date or he's the boy you want to be, you know, whichever it is. Um, or, or kind of, in a way, the person you want to be to me is even as a woman, you know, you aspire to be that cool and have those kind of smart yeah. comments, but also very yeah. likable and very warm and hanging out with an eccentric prof and, the, you know, things that, that softened him a bit, you know. So, God, yeah, I mean, I can't, do you know this tragic thing? I can't remember when I first saw Back to the Future 2 because I have seen it so many times. It's just kind of then blurred in my mind. But, of course, I think because I saw Back to the Future on the TV, I was already aware there was a sequel maybe by that time so i probably saw it quite soon afterwards um and just just could not get enough of it yeah did you play that to your friends in your flats when you moved into london yes we did indeed yes yeah and got all the box (laughs) sets yeah i'm a sucker for any any merch i'm not normally a merch person but if they bring out a different version of something i'm like oh i'm all over it (laughs) (laughs) i when um I actually went on Sky News because I do a lot of punditry on TV. I went on Sky News on Back to the Future Day. Do you remember when it was the very day? Yeah, um, yeah, and, yeah. And um, and I, I went. I'm on a couple of and BBC as well. I think I'm on a couple of things talking about it. You know, because they wanted that fun story, like oh, what came true? You know, and I remember saying. I remember telling one one of the news announcers, "Oh, I'm actually having a themed party tonight for Back to the Future too. It's fancy dress." And she goes, oh, send us some pictures. So I did. And then she retweeted them and it was all a thing. Um, but yeah, we, we all dressed up and I had um, several costume changes of different characters as the night went on. Yeah, of course. Obviously, I mean, brilliant. Not to be outdone. Where did you start? Um, I started with Marty, the young Marty Fly of the future with the with the cap. I've got one of those um, like kind of reflective caps that he's got. And then I moved on to um, Lorraine, tragic Lorraine with the enormous boobs in the black dress. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the wine. And I can't remember if I did another one after that. Um, we had lots, we had, a, my husband was the doc and that was brilliant. And then um, we had some friends that actually came as the clock, which was really good. Oh, that's a good show. I'll, I'll send you the pictures if you want for your socials. It might yeah. be fun. Yeah. <laughs> I like the, I like dress ups of like objects instead of people. I once, yeah. talk, we talked about Indiana Jones earlier. I once went to a, to a fancy dress party as Indiana Jones and my girlfriend at the time went as the boulder. Wow, <laughs> yeah. seems like the wrong way round. It's definitely the wrong way round. That's what made it funny because I'm massive and she was tiny. It was great. <laughs> Brilliant! I want to see pictures of that too, please. Oh, I'll have to dig those so out. So, what what things have come true from Back to the Future Two that we well, there's no hoverboards as far as I know. I no. think that it's never been like new that. stories. But, I mean, obviously they're not being used, but I think people have invented them. But that you know you can't buy them at the corner shop. Well, they they predicted that 3D would be very big. Hmm. Yeah. And that, that is true, I would say. Um, even though it was sort of an in-joke with Jules. 2015 um, they go to look forward to. Is it 2015? No. Um, no it, oh, see, now I've forgotten. <laughs> I've failed. 17? Seven, I feel like it's 17, but um, I'm going to Google it as we speak. I've got a pair of trainers that are like the It is 2015, you're right. 2015. Oh, Rich, Coming up to the time that we're speaking to each other right now, in fact. 21st mm. of October. Yeah. So, yeah, so the trainers... Um, You've got a pair of the trainers, haven't you, Dave? I know. I've got a pair that kind of looks similar. I can't oh, afford okay. the ones they released because they did a limited run of these Nike pair that you could... They auctioned off for Michael J. Fox's uh, charity, the self... 
and they went for silly, silly money. Yeah. And they all lit up. But they're just a pair of Nike Jordans and they look very similar. And um, they give me a little bit extra height. So I love them. They're my favorite <laughs> pair of trainers. I had a similar thing that I, I bought these silver trainers and I realized the entire reason I bought them because they looked like the twos from Back to the Future. Um, and well, the, the microwaving stuff is quite kind of true. It's kind of mm. true. You don't put a tiny little thing into the microwave, but and then we definitely don't have faxes much as much as they thought we no. might. <laughs> um, female cops, that was good, but um, I kind of dislike the way the female cops cops looked like models in this film. Actually, just mm. had a bit of an issue with that. Um, and I do have some feminist issues with with the Back to the Future series as well, but I won't elaborate on them now. But you can see. No, them no, go for it. Like you can. Well, I mean, I did a big feature in in the Guardian um, some years ago. I think it's twenty thirteen about why can't women time travel? You know, and it's this is in so many TV series and in particular films. There are exceptions, of course, but in particular films, it's the man that that gets to to travel. Yeah. Um, and poor Rachel McAdams, I think now four times has been left on the sidelines while her man yeah. does time travel twisty things. Um, so I felt a bit sorry for Jennifer in Back to the Future in the way that she's kind of knocked out as soon as she gets to the future. Oh, she can't yeah. be trusted. <laughs> yeah. you know, let's dose her up. Jennifer Not too happy with that. Jennifer the by far like, the, the more intelligent character out of her, out of her and Marty. Yeah. She's definitely the more the, the better person to time travel, really. Uh, you yeah. Know, that's why you wouldn't have a film because she'd just be too smart and yeah, everything out, not, yeah. do, make not, not steal an almanac <laughs> and create a tar- parallel tie line. Um, but I think Lorraine is a saving grace uh, in the series, even though there are some issues with her, but especially in Back to the Future. I think she's such a fantastic character and she really knows what she wants and she goes for it. Mm. Even if she's Yeah, because people really grab onto that, that storyline, don't they? The whole... Uh, uh, mother something yeah they can't they read i think they they think yeah i think they read too much into it sometimes they really dive into it um which is uh ridiculous i always had a what's the actress's name i've forgotten her leah thompson that's i had a massive crush on her when i was young like probably like you and i would imagine that (laughs) any teenage boy watching that or whatever boy watching that would because she she's so like over the top flirtatious isn't she and i and i remember like reading about her saying she had to summon this horny energy every day but she really comes across she's smoking on screen it's amazing it's a great film and the, the music's already good oh. were you happy how it ended as in gone into free and how do you feel about back to the future free I, I liked um, the way that it, it led up to the next film and, and created a sense of excitement. Like, oh my God, I can't wait to see what happens in the three. I'm not a huge fan of the Western genre, even if it's quite spoofy mm. like this. So I was less excited to see that setting. And of right. course, we all know it's slightly the lesser of the three, but do you know what? It's still a really good film. It's very entertaining. It follows a lot of the same beats as the other films, obviously. So there's a lot for fans. There's a lot of kind of little Easter eggs for fans all over it. And it is exciting. And and you and you do have a good female character in that one, school mistress Clara. And she's probably mm. the woman with among the most agency in any Back to the Future film. So, yeah. That's kind really of what good. I like about Three is the fact yeah. that she sort of knows what to do. Because I... I what gets me in Hollywood movies is that the woman often says to the man and goes, oh my God, what should we do now? And I'm like, that 
that never happens in real life. That's it's <laughs> always the men turning to their wives and going, uh, "What do we do?" <laughs> yeah. Especially in this household. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's right, and she is the one. She's the smart one, really, in that one, isn't she? And, yeah. and actually, unlike Back to Feature Two, where Jennifer gets knocked out, she gets listened to and actually plays a part in her own rescue. I think you could say broadly, or at least her kind of hmm. escape and her and and she's in, yeah she and in the kind of science of it all, she's a big part of that, which is which is progress. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so you're a, a one two three kind of person probably but it's between one and two and then three almost 50 50 yeah. depending on the mood i think they i think that's what makes them geniuses that they complement each other perfectly and they are on a par and it's a, like a, it's near it's, it's nearly a perfect uh trilogy isn't it it's, there's not yeah there's not many of them out there me and rich found that out a few weeks ago when we did, a, <laughs> we did some extra yeah. there's always one let down in the trilogy yeah exactly <laughs> you think you're on a run with the godfather and then oh no <laughs> yeah um so yeah i think it's as close i don't know did you find a better one i haven't listened to all your past episodes forgive me um i went lord of the rings and star wars Whoa. Yeah, Star Wars is, yeah, that's quite a good chat. Yeah, I don't think I found a better... Well, I don't know. I, I, I deliberately remember. picked ones that Dave didn't pick, so mine aren't actually the best. I think right. I was, mine was Nolan Batman, I think, was my Oh, also pick. good, yeah, yeah, I like what you said. But then the third one does kind of let it down again. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. I, but, yeah, I think it should be in there. I have to ask the questions about the... There's always a rumoured Back to the Future 4 or a remake. Mm. How would you... You can't make... You can't do a four now. I think it's too late, sadly, with no. Michael J. Fox's disease. Um, yeah. Would you have liked to seen it at some point in the last, since three? And if they remade it, how would you feel about that? I, I would feel very sceptical about any of those things happening because it would be such a shame to, not necessarily ruin, but to taint the mm, near-perfect yeah. franchise, a near-perfect trilogy. Yeah. It would be such a shame to either remake it because, let's face it, it is never going to be as good, mm. or as you say to do a sort of sequel didn't didn't christopher lloyd say he'd like to do one set in roman times <laughs> yeah i think quite so intriguing yeah. <laughs> i don't know how I, I don't know that wouldn't have been my favorite thing i'd have liked to see more into the future again but i'm kind of future girl um yeah but um yeah i'm i'm quite glad that they haven't done that. Yeah, yeah me too because le legacy sequels they're so hot right now and they're we don't need one for this dave <laughs> They're not often good, though, are they? Legacy sequels. No, they're, they're Top not. Top Gun Maverick is the exception. Like that's true. That that is. They could do it as well as that, but mm. then Back to the Future is an even better film than Top Gun. So hard. <laughs> Fighting talk. <laughs> I I think I agree with you. I think Back to okay. the Future is better than Top Gun, but they I might think not. I agree with you. No, I think <laughs> I do. They're they're both really up there for me. Big films in my life. Uh, what is your favourite scene from Back to the Future 2? We'll end on this. What's your favourite moment? Gosh, gosh, gosh. Um, I think actually, well, there's so many, but I think actually this, when they go back to 1955 and you see everything from the first film play out um, from a different perspective. And mm. it's so clever that, and they've included so many little details from the first one and the attention to detail is phenomenal in this. It's amazing. It, they've thought about it so hard. And it's like, you're peeking around the corner. It's like you are time traveling. It's taking you on a journey and you are time traveling because you're seeing what you've seen before, but from a different perspective. So it's really exciting. So I just say when, when he starts going back into the Enchantment Under the Sea dance and, he's, and things play out a bit differently and he sees his old self, that is just the most exciting moment. Yeah. Yeah. If you didn't know, you would think they would film them together didn't you mm. oh god yeah and even the, the prosthetics they use for the you know the replacement actor is just it's you hardly notice it 
Yeah, you don't amazing. notice it's amazing. Crispin Glover's not there, do you? Really, yeah. I, I don't. It's I didn't realise until somebody said when we were doing this podcast that Crispin Glover isn't in it. I was like, yeah, yeah I'm sure he is, and he isn't. It's, so <laughs> it's great. Yeah. yeah, just a man in prosthetics, isn't it? Looking or trying to do a. Yeah, it's another an actor in prosthetic, but he does a really good job. That you can't <laughs> yeah. hardly see the joy. Who needs Crispin Glover? <laughs> oh. He seems to make get ever angry on every set he was on. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th- I think he's a fantastic actor. I should say, but yeah. They did a good job. Yeah. Oh, we're leading you down a dark like way. Yeah, don't now, suck don't worry. Chris Glover. <laughs> well, I was listening to a, a podcast about what was it um, Charlie's Angels earlier, and he apparently he was all he just refused to say the lines how he they were meant to say, and he would just shout them. And the director was like, "Oh, just go." With I'm it. not sure you can ruin Charlie's Angels any more than they did that anyway. So. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't I quite like the first one. The sequel is horrible. I, I quite like the first one too. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Rich. <laughs> if you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! At the UPS Store, we want to make this summer the summer of shipping. Summer Shipalooza. So you can start crossing items off your must-ship list. Like the vintage film camera your college kid needs for class. Or the vase you told your mom you would send her ages ago. And with our pack-and-ship guarantee, your items arrive safe or we reimburse you. So stop by your local store today for everything you need to be unstoppable. Visit the upsstore.com slash guarantee for full details. Available at participating locations. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Next question. Before we get on to the worst sequel, yes. what is the most disappointing sequel? So this is the question I was like, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. Oh, gosh. So it doesn't have to be bad. It's one you probably went in really hypes, told all your mm. friends about, dragged loads of people to go and see it, and then you had to apologise afterwards. Yes, this was an experience I had. I mean, not that Mamma Mia was an amazing film, but it did what it did really, really well. And I think the sequel mm. did not live up to expectation. I think it was sad um, to see some of that magic being replaced by something which felt even more too formulaic, you know, mm. just too much. Um, it felt like a little bit of a cash in. And, and why I want to mention that one is just that quite often you find with successful female directed films, the sequel mm. is then given to a male director. Um, yeah. You know, I, I interviewed uh, Twilight's Catherine Hardwick many years ago, and she made that very point herself because she, of course, had a successful film and then subsequent. Um, it's the best versions. Twilight as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. First one. Uh, we were given to, to men. And I think, you know, I was actually trying to think how many women have directed sequels. That's very few. Mm. Um, I mean, if you count, I mean, obviously, you've got Wonder Woman 1984, was, and that's yeah, tre- tremendous. I really like that. That was great. Um, Black Widow, does that count? Birds of Prey, does that count? Do we count yeah. these ones? I would count Birds of Prey, definitely. Yeah. And I think we'd probably count Black Widow. 
because it's, yes. it's a se- okay. sort of sequel prequel isn't it like it's... well in that case it's happening more but i mean i've probably forgotten some ancient you know little gem you, from the past hit on one of the things that i really hate about sequels is whenever they there's a successful one they change the director for the second one it always kind of makes me feel a bit icky and i especially when it's a successful female director i don't see why they want to why would you change why change a winning formula exactly i mean i know there's lots of politics involved and sometimes they just can't retain people but i know it's it's very clear that quite often it is a decision yeah uh, you know that they for some reason oh it needs to be given to someone who can really get the crowds in because it's such a Mm. you know hot property now and like i'm sorry a woman just directed that really successful film why would you give it to someone else yeah. yeah who directed the first one then then um uh philip philida i'm gonna get this for you of mamma mia are we talking about yeah because it was the second was oh ollie parker yeah that's it? right um it was she was who did the sage play um so it was philida lloyd yeah right yeah. I, I can't lie to you i've never seen mamma mia 2 no i haven't actually um, but i quite uh, enjoyed I the can... first one no i i can't get through it no <laughs> i finished it a couple it's not for me uh abba yeah really grinds my gears um well then yeah it's definitely not for you it's i mean let's face it that was always gonna happen yeah if you can put up with kind of awful awful singing by various various male cast members then uh i think you're, oh, you're all right you get through it <laughs> Yeah, Pierce Brosnan's bad. Colin Firth's pretty bad. Like. Yeah, but they do it with such... And I normally hate bad singing, but, I, you know, they did it with such a sort of wry sense of humour and a kind of apologetic hangdog yeah. air that you just sort of let them I off, I like really. it. And I, I yeah. really don't like musicals very much, and I like it. So, you know, there you go, yeah. Dave. You're wrong. Okay. <laughs> I, it makes... What is it? Catalonia or one of the Greek islands look yeah, beautiful. Yeah, looks nice. Yeah. All the cast are very good. I like... It's just it's just ABBA, isn't it? And then they said they're going to do an ABBA 2, and I was like, you can keep that. No one's picked it yet, Anna. So okay. when someone does, I'll watch it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think they actually filmed that one in Croatia in Split, the um, the, the second one. But um, I actually went went there to see the, the, the location, which is very lovely trip wow. um but um but yeah no it is meant to be set on the greek island that's the general mm. idea yeah so how high were your expectations going in what what, what, what did you for mamma mia too they weren't high i'm not gonna lie they weren't high <laughs> i went to the premiere as well and my friends right. and i we both wore sort of denim avarish jumpsuits and we'd champagne yeah. you know so it was a lovely you know it wasn't like i was crushed or expecting it to be amazing and i will say that there is a very moving scene in that actually with um, involving meryl streep that is very 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 good um so it wasn't terrible i would just it wasn't up there with the first one um mm. but i you know i could handle it it wasn't like i was crying <laughs> tears <laughs> of disappointment that is and a I, perfect know... answer to this question as well i would say oh thanks like it's because it's not what you go you don't want to be like coming out of it going oh well i'm that's an awful movie it's the worst i've ever seen you, you come out and you go oh i'm just a bit disappointed you know that's... yeah because because you know i mean I, I i i never like to go in with high expectations anyway as a film critic i think you owe it to every film just to go in with an open mind and yeah. and not you know not expect it to be as good as the first one or whatever you think it might be just try not to think anything um so that's why i was slightly struggling to think of an example for this and it's not that i hated the film at all i no. just didn't love it as much as the first one yeah do you find like a lot of sequels are disappointing uh yeah i guess so generally i mean i would say you, you guys are finding that doing this great podcast <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> yeah we are we we're definitely yeah. there's definitely a lot more bad ones than there are good ones yeah yeah when you do find a good one though it's great 
Oh like, yeah, and it's such a treat. It's such a treat for a fan, isn't it? Hmm, you know, absolutely. if you're a proper fan of something, it's like that's the best present that you can get. It's an amazing sequel. Definitely. Yeah. Like if you've loved Lord of the, if you loved the first Lord of the Rings, then you go and watch Two Towers. You're like, oh, lovely. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> I'm like, oh god, no, not more. <laughs> I think Lord of the Rings is a brilliant like. You either love it or you absolutely hate it. You know, oh yeah, there's, yeah. There's kind of a brilliant measure of. Of whether you're are you a Star Wars person or a Lord of the Rings person, you know. I think you can be both. I think you could also be neither. Actually, saying that, yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's so true. true. I like how you were talking a second ago because I, I read a Black Adam review today, and they said if you go in with the right mindset, you're going to like it. I was like, I don't know what that means because you should just <laughs> go in going, okay, I think I'm going to enjoy this, or let's see what happens. I don't know what they mean. Go in with the right mindset. Like, am I? Ex- is that mindset we're going, okay, I think this is going to be terrible, so it's going to be good. <laughs> yes, it's, or... it's, it's interesting that you say that because it, as a critic, it's quite often tempting to fall back on those sort of phrases. And then you think, I try to check myself going, what does that really mean? I mean, not saying mm. I haven't re- written it in the past, but like, yeah, what does that really mean? I think I like to qualify it and if I'm writing about something that's saying, if you go in aware that it's going to be really gory or whatever it is, you know, kind of slightly, a slight sort of warning or... Mm. If you go in not expecting it to be as good as the original, <laughs> for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you can be surprised, I guess. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's good to have very low expectations. Sometimes if people have told me the film's shit um, and I go in and I quite like it, I'm like, oh. Can you name an example oh, out of interest? Without <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> I should know that you're going to ask me a follow-up question there. Yeah, no. <laughs> Let's go on to the worst, because this is the one we've all been waiting for, I think. Oh, yes. What is the worst sequel you've ever seen? Basic Instinct 2. Such a good choice. It's so bad. I'm glad you approve. (laughs) And are you happy that I made you watch it? (laughs) Had you seen it before? (laughs) I had seen it before. Yeah. but uh, I had I couldn't I'd blocked it from my memory clearly because I couldn't remember it. I watched it and I was like, have I seen this? But I definitely had. It's awful. It's made for TV awful. If that, if not even that good. Made for TV in the nineties, maybe. <laughs> it doesn't feel like a film that was released out in two thousand and six. No. It feels much earlier than that. Um, yeah, I, I had the pleasure of seeing this once before as well, uh, and I thought it was awful then. And then we tried to find copies to watch. Uh, and Rich yeah, couldn't find it anywhere. I had to buy it on eBay. In the UK, they don't want you to see this film, <laughs> which makes it all the more of a great choice, doesn't it? Because it's like the film mm. they try to erase from existence because it's so bad. It's so and bad. Seek out your cheeky little DVD copy. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's just. I mean, it was the sequel that no one asked for because a film like Basic Instinct mm. does not need a sequel. I'm not. I'm certainly not saying Basic Instinct is the best film in the world, far from no. it. But it, it mm. was successful. Um, it had a certain, you know tone and atmosphere which was consistent um Sharon Stone was tremendous in it um you know it it became a bit of a cult watch even if it Mm. was sometimes whether or not it was meant to be a spoof in parts it was hard to tell but it certainly had that kind of erotic 90s thriller energy quite of its time yeah much imitated yeah Yeah, and that's the trouble that partly that it was of its time and then also you know you have too long of a gap between you know the sequel and, and and people trying to sort of figure out oh how could we possibly replicate this and but also trying to after having a a, a perfectly good ambiguous ending then trying to um 
kind of elaborate on that um, by by having Catherine Trammell in come to London, which much as I love London and I live here, seems like a bit of a come down in a way, and it sort of seems symbolise, you know, the the, the move, the, the downward trend in this series, um, and and I'm really sad that this is co-written by um, the writer of Desperately Seeking Susan because that is one of the best films that I you know that I've ever seen and, and we celebrate that a lot on Girls on Film but but she's a co-writer for this and, I, and I'm not going to blame her I'm not going to blame the director because he'd spoken out about he knew yeah. it was going to be appalling from from the word go you know he's as good as said yeah. that he knew it was a disaster on set so it, he just needed money didn't he he just yes, wanted yeah yeah and it was he just, needed a job oh you know Neil Morrissey, not the greatest choice for this. Um, I love that. David Morrissey. Neil Morrissey. Neil Morrissey. <laughs> Neil Morrissey. I always get those two wrong. Neil Morrissey would have been better, right? <laughs> Neil Morrissey would have been amazing. He'd have been... <laughs> I mean, the cast is really good, right? David Morrissey, basic yeah. men behaving badly. Um, well, you say the cast's really good, Dave. It's sort of on a downward slope, isn't it? You've got Sharon Stone, good. Yeah, David Morrissey, okay. David Thwellis, very good. Um, yeah. Like even like some of the supporting cast, like Neil Maskell, very Neil Maskell, good. Yeah. yeah, and then Stan Collymore, like really? Oh, that is a surprise. <laughs> it's, How did that? Happen? It's just such a weird, random selection of things. And like I say, it just you know, no, no blame to anyone because you you can't blame people for trying to cash in on it. But it, it just felt like it exemplified everything that the first film actually did right <laughs> <laughs> by doing it wrong, <laughs> by by just kind of um, trying to be. Sexy, but in a oh, sort of really so panto, not sexy. yeah, in a real pantomime way, and it's it held, horrible. Yeah, and it's, every it's line is really delivered like it's a naked gunman. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's, it's like a spoof. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's got the worst kind of most awkward, horrible, like orgy scene thing. That's <laughs> oh, it's just awful. It's just oh no, no. Yeah, <laughs> I think we've got to go down the road of when you first saw this. Was it? Was it like a screening? Please tell me it was a screen. Oh, God, I wish I could come up with another example of seeing something on the big screen. But once again, I'm pretty sure I managed to dodge that bullet in terms of reviews. Um, And I I think we rented it at home just to, to, you know, shits and giggles, just to go, (laughs) okay, we better, we've got to check this out, uh, see if it's as bad as they say. And sure enough, it was. But yeah, no, I wish I could tell you a great story about being at the screening for that, but I can't. Talking of reviews, Dave, the the Mm. quote on the front of that DVD cover... I think it's the, as mesmerizing as the original. That's a lie. That's who says that? Who said the that? The sun, apparently. It's the sun. No, I mean, that's quite obviously a lie. <laughs> yeah. I did read researching it earlier that Mark Mode gave it positive reviews. Though. No. I saw that. Yeah. He likes yeah. to be contrary occasionally. Um, but, you know, I'm not saying he did. He totally believed it, obviously. But, um... They take a swing at a few things, but none of it lands. Yeah. It's really really horrible mm. and this one is also just basically instinct to no colon risk ad- addiction right oh yeah because that's oh, yeah, subhead, the subhead isn't it yeah because that was that's such a weird you know cod psychology plot that she's supposedly yeah. addicted to risk but then spoiler alert she manages to convince him that he's mad or it, it, yeah, can we talk about the ending? You probably God. Uh, you've done how recently you've watched it, but Rich, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> no, don't ask. Me. I've got a clue, mate. I mean, basically, it loses all of the kind of questioning for the first one. Is you like, is she a killer? Is she not? What is what's going on in the second one? It kind of overtly says, you know, I'm a bad person who's messing with you. 
like and I've I've twisted this guy you're supposed to not know if she's a baddie or not basically aren't mm. you and that's not that's not the case with this one like she's either a murderer a mass murderer a serial killer or she's a horrible person who's you know messed up someone's life for the for the hell of it you know either way she's bad in the first one i mean michael douglas is an awful character in the first one and he's a, kind of a horrible deserves human it. being yeah um but i'm not sure that david morrissey particularly deserves it in this one other than he's quite up himself i would say she's maybe bringing him down a peg or two but yeah it's sharon I, sharon stone should sort of be the the anti-hero rather than the villain and she's very much the villain i think in this one yeah there's no texture there's no layers at all yeah no oh she plays like cruella de vil straight out bad guy there's no hiding like and also i meant to like like this character at all anymore i know she wasn't comfortable with the first one as well i think they kind of tricked her a little bit into doing some of the scenes and I, I don't know. I, I wonder how comfortable she would have been with this one as well, because it's quite gratuitous in quite a number of places. I wonder how she feels about it. I mean, this this will get me onto another feminist topic, which is how hard it is for women of a certain age in Hollywood to find roles, even if they yeah. look as phenomenal even as they look incredible. and act yeah. as phenomenally as Sharon Stone. You know, it, I wish that she'd had loads of other offers of great things. I mean, she did go on to do some great things, but mm. yeah, I wish she'd had more so she didn't have to make this film, quite frankly. I think this came, it, it really didn't help when this and Catwoman came out pretty that much back to back if i remember rightly mm. that's not a good one to punch i've just realized we watched the uncut version Ooh. oh did we saucy right. or not not really i can't i don't I know can't, what, i can't remember i it. never seen the original <laughs> more stan collymore <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it tries far too hard to be sexy i think is the, the problem trouble. yeah and yeah. it just isn't like it just there's just nothing about it like my, my wife was laughing at me going oh you're basically watching porn and i was like <laughs> it really it's really not sexy yeah. it's so so awful yeah it's kind <laughs> of skin crawlingly um desperate to be sexy yeah, isn't it? yeah it is yeah, yeah absolutely it's really creepy I, I do remember that i think the gherkin just been built in 2005 they love that building. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah, they they use yeah. that a lot. They used it as many yeah, times as they possibly that's can. That's kind of what I was thinking. Is that his um, uh, Dave, uh, David Morrissey's character's a a psychotherapist essentially, and his office is in the Gherkin. I was he like, he must do yeah. really no well. No way! <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> do you know who I feel sorry in this film is Charlotte Ramplin who just looks confused through the whole film. I'm not surprised. I'd be confused if I was in this film as well, I think. I think it's cool that they got her in it, but yeah, I don't think they made the most of that situation, no. I don't think they realised who they had. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. That is true. And she's supposed to be kind of like the the, the like the, the sane one, isn't she? The, the, you know, she's the reasonable person in this movie. And then that all gets twisted and yeah she like you say she just looks confused what the big ending when everyone's telling everyone what they've done and she's just in the middle looking i was like i'm with her (laughs) (laughs) she's the the audience she's the cypher yeah (laughs) yeah uh so it's a sequel it's a bad sequel how do you move on from this like because i reckon they would think if this does well we're gonna have a third one Mm, they were wrong you know to think this would do well i don't did they do you think they really anyone thought this would do well sharon stone got paid like 14 million to do well yeah she needed to mate because i mean and it's made no money apparently but is there a world where they thought we can really spit out a few more basic instincts and is there a world where that would work now 
Yeah, because I mean, I do feel like there's been a little bit of a revival of the erotic thriller recently. I mean, Fifty Shades dabbled. Yeah, it scene. did. Not particularly well, in well, my opinion. Yeah. Um, Again, there's another uh, woman director in the first one taken away. Exactly. Very good example. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like, I mean, it would have to be done very, very differently. And I think, yeah, you know, I'm going to be predictable here and say if you gave it to a female writer director and you shot it more from the point of view of the woman mm, um, yeah. that could offer a, an interesting contrast if you just still try to go down the same old road of titillation for men um in a very basic way then uh, you know what's the point because there's there's well there's porn around now for example you know which there was yeah. there wasn't as much porn readily available on the internet when the first one came out and i think that's a big factor of why that the genre sort of you know dwindled away a bit but uh, yeah, I, th I think it would be interesting to see that. Like, you know, I think The Last Seduction is one of the best examples of this kind of genre and better than Basic Instinct. I'd like to have seen a sequel to that, in fact. Um, but I didn't choose that today. Um, but I, I think when they, obviously when they started making this film, they must have thought that it was a winner. Otherwise, why would they mm. plow money into it? But it sounds like by the time it even got to the shoot, everyone was acknowledging it. Was, oh God, let's just <laughs> finish this thing and be done with it. <laughs> It's, it's an extraordinary read to read about the this film because they're trying to make it for years and at one point Sharon Stone was already suing the producers uh, and then finally they worked out a deal so you've got to ask she, was get, she got and I think she got a pay or play deal so it was either she get paid a, she'd get paid a lot of money or, yeah. yeah so I don't know if her heart was really into it at that, no. at that point and I, I think it shows on screen yeah, yeah a lot if you remember can you remember your worst scene oh i think because i, I unlike you unlike you i failed to get the dvd i haven't seen it since just after you're it very out. welcome to have our copy thanks <laughs> well, I'll, I'll watch it again and come back to you but i think i've made i, I mean I was, I was sitting in an airport when i was answering your question about what's the worst sequel and it popped right into my head because it's, yeah, it's on my list apart yeah. from sex and the city 2 which you'd already done which of course is actually the worst but um basic instinct 2 um <laughs> you know it, it, I just remember it being an excruciating experience overall, and I and I can just I see lots of images of her trying to be sexy in the way that the first one was. It, you know, it, it's it's like people trying to if you if you've done something really successful in your life and then you try to mimic it and repeat it, it doesn't always have the magic of the first time, and it felt yeah. like that. You know, it just yeah. felt like she's going over it's the so same dull. ground. Yeah, how can something so sexual be so dull? But that's quite an achievement. Yeah, it's it an amazing achievement. Yeah, Rich, what's your favorite, uh, worst? I'd say favorite scene. What's your worst scene? Uh, well, I think this? I already mentioned it—the horribly awkward orgy where uh, where David Morris is spying on them from a from a grubby kind of like a skylight. Like Soho, I don't even understand yeah. why. I just yeah, I don't get any of it. Like, it's all terrible, but that is especially terrible. Um, yeah, that's that's the worst, definitely. My worst scenes are the one-on-ones in his office. Oh, they are. Yeah, that's true. They're toe-curlingly bad, aren't they? It's a film I never want to see again now. <laughs> I think... It... Sorry again. No, no, no. We, no. We, when you, it's I think a brilliant Sex and choice. Is really worse. Is. <laughs> Sex and City 2 is worse. Um, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. But in a different in way. In a different way. I, and because Sex and City 2 is more offensive. Mm. Um, yes, it, it, by a long way. I mean, this is just bad. I don't. Yeah. I mean, yes. I haven't recently, but correct me if I'm wrong. It's not going out to be overtly 
racist or offensive in, in that way, in the, in, the, in the way, the extraordinary way that Sex and the City 2 was. Um, yeah. You know, even for its time, if you want to say that, absolutely appalling. And I, I hated that film so much, I actually started an anonymous Twitter account called Why Sex and the City 2 Sucks. And I, and I, and I did 69 <laughs> posts of why it sucked. You can go and see it. It's still there on Twitter. And Brilliant. I refer you to that. We've, I very nearly had to watch Sex and the City 2 for no reason because one of our guests picked it and then changed their mind after I'd watched it. And I was like, no! How can I have watched this for no reason? That's and then just... we were so lucky that that, uh, that someone yeah. else chose it. At least this was reasonably <laughs> short compared to Sex and the City 2. 109 minutes. Yeah, that's true. It's still, still too long though, Dave. If that's the one thing in its favour, then that's not great, is it? Mercifully <laughs> short, but still too long. <laughs> that's a new poster quote. Mercifully short. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's awful i don't want to promote another podcast too much we're talking about this one but there's a there's a podcast called the sequelizers and the guys on there take bad sequels and then make them better and that actually the basic instinct 2 one is probably my favorite they do a really good job of of pitching a really good sequel to basic instinct oh, great I'll, and I'll i listened listen to it and that. i was like yeah. i would watch that what year did they set it uh, I think a couple of years after the first one, not 2006, yeah. that's for sure. Mm. I don't think 2006 was no. a good point to release this. It was. A... It feels like a 90s movie, very much. I couldn't believe it when I saw it was 2006. You know, I thought like, you know, 96 Would maybe. you put, yeah, would you put it in a category, it's so bad, it's good. Would no. you not even put it with those films? No, no. <laughs> so there's no not even. camp cliche, yeah. like Prince Charles screenings, like, woo, let's go and holler at, like, Sharon Stone's weird fringe and the bad dialogue and the, you know, David Morrissey doesn't say he had a bad time in this film, but it doesn't look like he's having a good time. No. <laughs> no, no. He really doesn't. It's when, when you were saying about um, the, the scenes between the two of them, I was remembering that's probably the most excruciating things when these two people are meant to be having some kind of sexual connection and literally no chemistry at all and oh. they both look like they don't want to be anywhere else i've seen, more, I've seen people have more chemistry with furniture than <laughs> between the two of them it's awful oh. <laughs> but no it, it's i mean it's definitely not so bad it's good dave it's so bad it's bad i mean that's the yeah, yeah it's fully past the being anywhere near good thing why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We've got another question for yes. you, and it's our Fast and Furious question, which I'm going to call it now. Is is there a sequel that maybe you didn't enjoy the first one, maybe not even the second one, but you came back to, around to it at some point due to a like a, a later instalment? Not really. <laughs> I'm just trying to think. Do you want this? No, I don't it's think It's a hard so. question, yeah. It is a hard question. It is, it's, it's the I hardest question. I would have prepared for it thought about it, but I, honestly, nothing springs to mind because I think... Apart from the one I mentioned earlier, you know, coming to Raiders after seeing Indiana Jones, I think I've, mm. I've gone the traditional route with most things. And I've been reviewing films now since the late 90s. So, I, you know, most things since then, I've obviously seen everything mm. in, in succession. I think, yeah, there haven't really been anything that surpassed the original. I mean, but the, I think no, the re- maybe. Maybe it wouldn't be maybe it wouldn't be better than the original, mm. but you might be like yeah. So we use the Fast and Furious example because five yeah. is better than probably the three that are before it, right? Um, and then like Mission Impossible is quite a good one because Mission Impossible two is awful, and then three's three's yeah. all right, three's pretty good. I don't know if there's any kind of the Planet of the Apes series, the new the newer ones. I think are absolutely yeah. terrific, and I think that made me sort of revisit the whole franchise, I don't know, they're quite different. I mean, I think Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is, is a tremendous film. Um, mm, yeah. So I think those ones um, definitely reawakened my interest in the themes of that, given that some of the there previous films had not been up to scratch. Yeah. That's a perfect That's answer. That's a really good answer, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when, you, when you are sent to, to critique something, to do a review, and it's not a film you're excited about, how do you go into that? Like, are you like, oh, okay. Or are you like, I'm going to give it a real crack, say, if you're not really into superhero films, but you're sent to do another Marvel, but then you end up quite enjoying it. Is that, are they easy reviews to write? Well, I mean, luckily, I there's no genre I, I hate. You know, I've said I don't like Lord okay. of the Rings, but, you know, they, they, I, I like something from every genre, be it horror, action, sci-fi, and that's very useful as a film critic. And I do, yeah. and I do like superhero movies. So there's not... You know, it, it's not often that I would go in sort of thinking, oh, God, I've got to do this one. The only ones that that w- would be the case would be torture porn. Yeah. So something like the Saw series, um, Wolf Creek, was was probably the least fun I've had at my job. Um, and, you know, obviously I have a great job and I'm extremely lucky. I'm not complaining at all. But, um, yes, things like that. I've actually got to the stage in my career now where I can just say, I'm not going to review that film because it's not, I'm not the best person to do that job because I, I find those kind of films very difficult. Um, yeah. And I, I do get to choose what I review as a rule now. It's not given to me by editors or, or producers. Mm. I do get to make the selection, oh, amazing. Um, which is great. So um, it's, in fact, increasingly, I'm very lucky that because I have my own podcast and decide what to feature on there and on, on yeah. TV, when I've had TV shows, I've decided what to feature on there. And, and and when I on when I write for Deadline um, and and cut and time out and so you know we have a bit of a conversation about what I might like to review. It's not just like you're doing this. So there are advantages to being quite long in the tooth and a bit of a veteran film critic, so that I never now actually have to go into a film that I really don't fancy. Okay. Have you ever ruled yourself out from a film because you think you'd be too biased? 
Because if I I could never review a Star Wars film, because I would have Star Wars goggles on. <laughs> I don't think so. No, um, I I understand oh, what yeah. you're saying. See, that's why I didn't make it. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I understand what you're saying. I mean, there's definitely the conflict of interest thing you have to be aware of because my husband's in visual effects, so if he's um, worked a lot on a film that I'm that I'm reviewing, I have to consider that. You know, whether I'm comp- compromised. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um. Generally, I would say, um, no, I don't, I can't think of a reason where I would have to declare myself unfit. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. I do like to ask the question, how do you approach interviews with directors and people when you haven't liked the film? I mean, when you like the film, it must be easy because you're like, oh my God, I've got so much to talk to you about. Um, I haven't got enough time, but what happens to the ones that you don't like? I think there's always plenty to talk about, you know, um, it is obviously easier when you're enthusiastic about the film. And once again, actually, I'm now at the stage where I'm never never really required to interview oh. anyone whose film I don't like. When I was doing a lot of um, interviews for Metro, obviously, numbers-wise, it's going to be the case that some of them you don't like. Mm. Um, but I think, I mean, A, I was normally interviewing the stars, which is easier. Um, and B, the directors, it just it's about being very diplomatic. And luckily, I think I'm quite diplomatic. Um, and tiny bit of acting. What was your dream sequel? So Booksmart is a film that I adore. Um, <laughs> it, it, it swept the board at the Girls on Film inaugural awards um, earlier this year or last year. Um, and it really is, I think, ripe for a sequel because, number one, I think comedy sequels work really well because when you try to get some kind of deep plot about, you know, from a drama or a, or a sci-fi um, or an action film, the, the stakes are higher. I think it's probably quite, not simple, but, you know, more manageable to get a great comedy because everything's relying on the characters and their mm. interaction with each other and the kind of shorthand that you've developed with an audience who's got to know and love those characters. So I'd love to see Beanie Felsen and Caitlin Deaver come back mm. um, together, whether it be um, because obviously the first one was set when they were just leaving school and they, you know, they were, they were having a great night out. Um, and I was thinking about how I'd like Olivia Wilde to do this. Cause I do think it should be Olivia Wilde once again, yes. let's not give this one to a guy. Okay. Yeah, yes, <laughs> Can you imagine 100%. if they went, Oh, bye Olivia. We're just going to get you know, some dude to do this. Um, but yeah. So if she does it with the same writer, who's terrific, you know, the obvious thing to do in a way would be to have them at university or college as they call it. Um, mm. But then I thought, would it maybe be more interesting to do it in a few years down the line when they're in the workspace uh, and some kind of interesting event brings them back together and and probably some kind of form of tension because that's what people do when they write yeah. a case. Um, but, I, but I just think those two, we, we had them on, I think episode 14 of Girls on Film and those two together are just dynamite and they're such good friends in real life and got on brilliantly. So the hope is that there, there wouldn't be any kind of basic instinct to kind of fall fallouts here, uh-huh. you know, no frostiness here. Yeah. Um, and I, I just think, I think it, it also because this film didn't do as well as it should have. It, it, I'm sure you'll agree it is, it's a tremendous film. And it's incredible. Amazing. It's so, yeah. so good. funny, so funny, so charming, so heartwarming, so brilliant, so effortlessly strong in terms of representation. Um, great cast, you know, everything's right about this film. So this could be an example of if they did a smash hit sequel that did even better, then Booksmart would start getting more of the numbers that it deserved in the first mm. place. 
Absolutely, yeah. Rich never got to see this until I think Ashanti picked it on the last season, and he was like, "Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank <laughs> yeah. you." For it's I love it so much. I really, really love it. And as a as a middle aged man, I shouldn't be loving films about teenage girls, really. I don't think, but it's so good. But that's it's what so that's good. the point. That's why it's so good, and and I think that's you know so often you know we we think that something you know something you know depicting a certain demographic should only appeal to that demographic that's not true you know as a woman i grew up being asked to identify with men in 90% of films and i got yeah. used to it so it's about time that you know we all got used to the idea of identifying with people that we're not the same as in absolutely. real life that's what cinema's about right yeah definitely you you're absolutely right i just it i I don't think there's a foot wrong with it. I don't think there's a step wrong in the whole film. It's so good. And I'm very excited to see I know I know it's had a bit of a, a bit of a rough road, but I'm quite quite excited to see Olivia Wilde's next movie too. Don't worry, darling. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it. I I'm excited to watch it. Good. And I don't care about all the nonsense. <laughs> exactly. What a load of nonsense. And again, you know, that's kind of gendered reporting, you know, pitting women against each other. Let's mm. focus on the fact that it is a very intriguing, very stylish, very atmospheric um, and very sort of um, ripe for discussion movie yeah. um, with, with tremendous performances. There's a lot to like about that film. And I look forward to hearing your thoughts on it. I can't wait yeah. to see it. Honestly, I'm, I'm really excited about it. And also, you're, you're right about how gendered the reporting is on it, because there are so many male directors who are absolute awful dicks like yeah. and, and oh, they yeah. don't get any of this yeah. like you have to intensely google how horrible people are like you know i just i can't be, i couldn't believe it like, yeah and it's the... been i totally agree it's been reported like it's some kind of factual headline news when it's just a bit scurrilous yeah. rumors about nothing very much really Absolutely. um you know speculative stuff and and what what struck me is that um you know a lot a lot of reviews mentioned it it wasn't just news reporting or no. gossip a lot of reviews mentioned it. i thought you know even the reviews of the latest woody allen often does not mention any kind of scandal so how is this the but yeah. your your entry point for a review of a feminist movie yeah i agree with you because david russell david russell just released yeah. another mm. movie and Absolutely. a lot of his stuff is is getting uh swept beneath the, the He's you know basically human garbage right <laughs> it's like... that's the yeah that's, we're spreading rumors now Rich. back to book smart <laughs> yeah but they're believable rumors come yeah, on multiple <laughs> stories uh when you first saw it and you were excited olivia wilde's directing it and it's got this amazing cast were you you were going in with really high hopes or were you cool level-headed I think I, I didn't know much about it and I had high hopes and I'm happy to say for once this was in a cinema on the big screen. Yeah. Um, I think there was some kind of big VIP experience and um, I took one of my dear friends who, and I, interestingly, I didn't know the story of the film, but it's one of my dear friends, um, she's gay and she came out to me when she was 14 and I'm straight. And it was, so we had this like kind of shared relationship yeah. where it, which was not unlike what we saw on screen. So yeah. we were just sitting there, you know, with our popcorn, our cocktails going, wow, this is the best thing. Cause it's, it's not only a great film, but we could see our, a bit of our lives reflected on it, you know? Um, and, and I just, yeah, it was a wonderful experience and the audience were all laughing together. It was a true uh, big screen gem. And then of course I've seen it many times on the small screen since then. Yeah. I'm really jealous that I, that you saw it on the big screen. I, yeah. I regret that not knowing this, this existed until too late to watch it on the big screen. Well, I mean, hopefully there'll be a revival when the yeah. sequel is made and then you can exactly. go and see it. That'd be good. Have you got a name for it? Book smarter? 
Ooh. <laughs> Book smartin. <laughs> Book smartin. Is, is it, is, is it a verb? This. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it's, it's now. <laughs> Book smarter. Would you, yeah, when you say, would you have them fall out beforehand? And then the, well, it does I, seem it does seem like the obvious, but is that only because that's the sort of thing we see that's a lot a trope. of, and it's a bit of a trope? So I'm not sure about that. You definitely need some kind of, or you know, maybe the hilarious coincidence uh, sort of thing. Yeah, because there is when you're friends in high school, you're not always friends when you're older. That's right, and you you do drift away, yeah. which would be another thing. Yeah. to show on, on on film. I think that could be interesting. Um, re- reunited and some kind of back home events something's you know again these are all terrible tropes but they can be done well you know they, they go back home for a funeral or whatever and then one of the other another friends getting married yeah it's like a wedding let's say make it a bit now. more cheerful let's say it's a wedding um and and i really hope they they would bring back pretty much all those supporting characters because they're all fantastic i was just thinking so they've got to bring back bring back billy lord's character because yeah. she's brilliant she's so great in this so <laughs> great in this oh, she she could have her own spin-off i would watch that in a heartbeat oh, yeah. definitely yeah. yeah absolutely i like jared he's my favorite Jared's character <laughs> he had a nice arc they all did as well you know mm. they, they, i love the way that this film didn't um kind of fall down on stereotypes or get obsessed with you know single kind of tra- character tropes it was all very much like everyone was not quite as you initially imagined them to be which and is... everyone has their moment as well yeah. which is really nice yeah. it's really it's really f- good film because it's not just a straightforward film there's lots of exciting filmmaking in there like the animation bit or oh, the, the animation um, the puppets brilliant. bit and it's also it's it's so relatable it's 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 not stuff that you think would be like what's the word i'm trying to think unbelievable this is all stuff that actually probably happens and st- you can mm-hmm. s- relate to it I think it's incredible. Yeah, it's authentic, it's funny, it's clever, it's heartwarming, it's progressive. I love it. It's also got a banging soundtrack. Certainly has. (laughs) (laughs) It definitely has. Absolutely. Uh, such it's a really great show. All your choices have been so good, Anna. I think. Why? Thank you. I've enjoyed it very much. I even don't begrudge having to watch Basic Instinct 2 because I think it was just a great choice for worst sequel. Those were Anna Smith's unequal sequels. What excellent choices. Great picks. Excellent, great Excellent picks. choices. She's brilliant. I really liked that. A lot of fun, <laughs> that one, wasn't it? And obviously, it was. finally someone picked Back to the Future 2 as the best ever sequel. Tom. <laughs> yeah, you're listening, Tom Davis. <laughs> yeah, no, she was great. I love Anna. She was a... Uh, high on the list of people to get on this podcast and finally she said yes uh hopefully she enjoyed being on the podcast we love her podcast girls on film podcast go listen to that it's a fantastic podcast her guests are just incredible and it's so interesting and uh yeah it's it's a great podcast but her picks brilliant picks back to the future 2 best sequel you know i i I love that we managed to get the one episode of it being the worst sequel and then the next episode it being the best sequel and poor little dave having a little mental breakdown as to whether it's the best film or the worst film ever it's definitely the best uh it was nice to talk about it in a positive light today like really delve into it um yeah I love Back to the Future 2. It's so nice that other people do like Back to the Future 2. It is. I don't know. She said, I don't think it's as good as Back to the Future 1. I still think it is. <laughs> I still think it is. Uh, she's also a big fan of Back to the Future 3, which is also good. Um, mm. 
Wow. Yeah. Absolutely. And for her worst sequel, <laughs> probably one of the worst films we've seen, uh, Basic yeah. Instinct 2. Wow. A, a movie so bad, it's not on any streaming whatsoever. We had to buy the DVD. <laughs> it is incredibly bad. I remember watching it. It must have been when it came out. I didn't go to the cinema and watch it, but no. I think my friend had it on DVD, and I thought, oh, I'll check that out. It is fucking shocking. It is, it is. cringeworthy. It's not sexy in any way. Everyone's very bad in it. It's it's not a good film. And no. again, it was on the list of bad sequels I thought would come up quite early on in this in this project, <laughs> and I'm surprised it took this long. Uh, but I, just, you know why? Because I just don't think people have watched it. No, I think that's what it is. Actually, I think it would. The reason it's not heralded as 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 like a, the the prime example of a terrible sequel is because no one watched it. Yeah, uh, and as as you can tell by the fact that we couldn't find it anywhere and had to buy it on DVD. Sadly, not on Blu-ray. So we had to, you know, deal with SD stuff. Oh no! <laughs> and obviously, uh, Dream Sequel, Rich. Now, Dream Sequel. Booksmart is probably still the most excited you are you are ever about a film we've mentioned on this podcast. I love it. I love it. I really, really love that movie, and I only watched it because of the podcast, and so that makes it even special, even more special. Yeah. No, I watched it first. Watched it for um, Ashanti Omkar's episode, and I, I just really enjoy that film. I really, really like it. It's like you're being offered your favorite food when we get mentioned. It. You're like, ooh. <laughs> Yeah, I guess because it's kind of new and it came out of nowhere for me. Yeah. Like, it's still really quite fresh, and I would happily just watch it again right now, to be honest. I just really enjoyed it. And we would happily take a sequel at some point in, in our lifetime, I think. Mm, We're well, not definitely. saying it has to be straight away. No, 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 no. But if you're listening, Olivia Wilde, then we'd very much like a sequel, please. Yes, please. And yeah, just secondly, again, listen to Anna's podcast, Girls on Film. Fantastic podcast. It's really worth checking out. Fantastic guest. I Really incredible guest, really interesting. She's had Linda Hamilton on it, for goodness sake. I mean, Talking of, like, epic sequels. She had Jamie Lee, Lee Curtis the other day. Last episode had Elizabeth Banks on it. Um, it's a really important, different podcast, I think. It's it's yeah. really worth checking out. Uh, Rich, what else you got to say? Uh, well, talking of important podcasts that are worth checking out, <laughs> I hope... Everyone could go back and listen to all of our past podcasts. If you tuned in because you're a big fan of Anna, and why wouldn't you be? Because she's brilliant. And you've thought, oh, do you know what? These guys were all right. I could listen to more of their sequel-based nonsense. Go back. We've got three other series of interview episodes for you to listen to. We've got loads of extra episodes. And while you're there, if you want to share the love a little bit, give us a little tick, give us five stars, write us a little review. We'll absolutely love that. If you want to get in touch with us and tell us what you think about any of the movies that we've talked about on this episode, we're on on social media, at Unequal Sequel on Twitter and on Instagram, and you can email us, unequalsequel at hotmail.com. Any emails we receive, we will read out and talk about in our monthly roundup at the end of this month. And also... If you think, do you know what? This might be rapidly becoming my favourite podcast. I could, I just need more of this. Well, you're in luck, because you, you can have more of this podcast. Um, and you can hear more of Anna as well. So, because we have a sequel to this episode, only available to subscribers on Another Slice. It's two ninety nine a month. Go to anotherslice.com forward slash unequal sequel, and you'll be able to subscribe as a premium member 
and get all their extra content, including a sequel to this very episode. Yes. Impressive, or if you just right? want to support us and be like, guys, you're yeah. doing a good job. Uh, I'm not going to have a coffee this month. Here's two ninety nine. We truly appreciate it. We know times are hard, extremely difficult at the moment. Yeah. Uh, so we are keeping everything else free, all extra episodes, all interview episodes. Everything is still where it's meant to be. Just if you want that extra little bit, it is there and more is coming. It's, it's, uh, oh, yeah. We've got big we've got plans. So many plans. Dave's got so many plans for the, to go on our subscription service that I'm not sure how I'm going to keep up with them all. No, me, me neither. Either, <laughs> to be honest. I've, I've got thoughts. Uh, yes, Rich, you got anything else to say? No, I think that's it, mate. Thank you for listening. You are fucking brilliant. Uh, it is a <laughs> namaste from me. Oh, no. Apparently, it's spiritual. Good, good, yeah, goodbye in Hindi as well, apparently. That's what the internet is telling me. If it's not, I do apologise. And it is also a goodbye from him. Bye! I think it's a lovely day to go and see if all your watches are working properly. Because all three of mine, batteries have died at the same time. Weird. Oh, uh, it's weird when that happens, right? Mine always do that too. Bizarre, isn't it? I, yeah, mad. Anyway, I've got to go and find a battery man now. So I'll see you next week. It's a bye-bye. By a windy up one. I've got a um, yeah, pocket yeah, watch that winds up, up, but I can't walk around with a pocket watch all the time because I would look like a dickhead. Better for the environment, though. <laughs>